Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On this week's episode, I'm joined once again by John Ferrer to talk about the 1993 thriller Alien Intruder, starring Billy D. Williams and Tracy Scoggins, and directed by Ricardo Jacques Gale. everybody. I'm John Ferrer here once again. We're going to be talking about the 1993 direct-to-video film, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Alien Intruder. So, John, where do we start with this? <laughs> well, uh, you brought this movie to my attention. I guess you found this in the, tr- the yeah. trash or wherever you found it. <laughs> I think I remember seeing something about it. Like It stuck in my mind because, okay, it has Billy D. Williams right. in it. And it was from the early 90s. And I remember like seeing some kind of like ad for it, maybe a, a, on another direct-to-video piece of shit that I rented. I don't, you know? I don't think I had any knowledge of this one. Um, but you can definitely see it as a just a movie sitting on the shelf at Blockbuster. Or um, uh, I imagine this must have had some TV play. It felt very like uh, early cable uh, or like oh, you know, yeah. like something like Showtime or something seems like something they'd have on at like two in the afternoon. It's not too far off from being like basic cable softcore, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that. Yeah, I, I. So I hadn't heard of it, but yeah, I was, I was glad to um, be able to <laughs> dive into this one because I do have, I have kind of a soft spot for. I mean, it's a terrible movie. It's not good, yeah. but uh, I do have a soft spot for movies that kind of don't fit in a in any they don't quite fit in the box that they should go in. Like, like whatever peg, whatever hole you try to put it in, it's like too like octagonal to, to go in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and when, if you watch the trailer, which that was the first thing I did when you told me about it. And the trailer is one of those great, um, it reminds me of like trailers for like Charles band movies. Um, yeah. Like yeah. his movies are always like these really ridiculous high concept, things that usually the actual movie some of them are kind of fun but a lot of them are kind of a chore to actually sit through but the trailers are usually just these gems because it's just presenting the absurdity of the whole idea and alien intruder has one of those trailers where it just keeps on piling on ideas through the trailer and you're just kind of like (laughs) what what are they doing and yeah it, it fits kind of in between yeah one of those like softcore like they only made it to have a thin plot so that they could like um, show some nudity in it, which again, there's not really, it just keeps feeling, it keeps threatening to show up. Um, no, and there, that, there is, a, there is actual nudity in this. I watched it. I mean, there is some re- nudity. Yeah. I might, I might've uh, just like washed right over some, some of it, but I know it, I know yeah. there was a lot of like um, coming soon type stuff. Like it was, it was a lot of like people, standing around like they were about to take their clothes off 
Um, yeah, I just had that vibe. It had that that smell to it the whole time. <laughs> yes, but then it's also like clearly like um, it's one of those like post Star Wars movies, but like years too late. Like it feels a lot like one of those Roger Corman like right. Star Wars cash in Battle Beyond the Stars kinds of movies because which I, I think I, I, I'm saying this kind of theoretically, but I think a lot of the actors from those movies that weren't kind of on the front lines, like Billy D. Williams were yeah. kind of heavily sought after to lead those ripoff movies. Cause it was like, Hey, look, we've got somebody from a star war. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this was decades later. So it feel, it feels a little like too late on the sci-fi cash in thing that it's doing. And then also it's kind of sort of a softcore, like late night cable movie. So it just, it's kind of like, and then, and then there's so many different plot threads, like the virtual reality thing, which is just all over the place. Yeah. that That's like the most tied to its time thing. Cause that was very early nineties. Yeah. And I was kind of looking at other virtual reality. Um, I'm saying, I feel like I'm saying virtual reality weird. That's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> It, uh, that's one of those, like the ones that I was thinking of, I kept looking them up and this one was earlier than more than I would have expected. Like, it feels like it was actually just a shade ahead of its time in terms of talking about that kind of thing, which is, yeah. Well, I think the lawn, I think the lawnmower man had already come out. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was 92. This is 93. So it was probably, I mean, no, I remember seeing a lot of articles and stuff about virtual reality at the time. It was a pretty big like topic of interest or speculation or, or, or predictions about the future for in the early nineties. Like even Jurassic park has like a little nod to it when they, they're like um, showing off what the park engineers are doing in the, in the, in the labs. And they have like a guy looking through DNA strands with a virtual reality helmet. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, virtual reality was definitely a part of the zeitgeist in the early nineties. The technology finally actually kind of caught up to it, but like it doesn't feel as radically fresh as it did back then. Right. Yeah. If anything, I've, I've, I feel like probably the genesis of this movie, which I want to talk about some, cause I'm just kind of baffled as to like who asked for this. Yeah. And like, it's just one of those classic, like, who is it for? Why did somebody decide to go down this road? Um, but I imagine that a big part of that might've been somebody somewhere kind of saying, get me a virtual reality movie. Um, cause yeah, like I've got a list open and, it was right after Lawnmower Man, and obviously, like Tron had been out for a decade, and I think that kind of cast a shadow over this movie for sure. Um, but like a lot of stuff, like Strange Days and Johnny Mnemonic, and um, yeah, and even it's not a VR thing, but like hackers. Like I felt like I kept feeling like yeah. the, there's like a hacker guy in this that I kept feeling was like a ripoff of um, those '90s movies with hackers, and it was like, well, this was actually a little bit before those movies came out. Yeah, which yeah. it's not really anything to give it credit for because none of none of those tropes are like particularly good, but um, it did beat them to it. Some of them. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, there was definitely like there was definitely a few hacker type things before that. Sneakers. I remember that movie. Sneakers. I think. I think sneakers was what it was going for actually, because um, the the guy who's the hacker in this is like maybe just a tiny bit younger than everybody else, which. Yeah, felt like it was kind of he a has, sneakers he, thing. Yeah, he has like kind of like a budget Jason Priestley. Yeah, <laughs> with glasses. <laughs> God, sne- sneakers was like my favorite when I was a kid. It was like 
That movie rules, yeah. man. I, it's, it, it holds up pretty well last time. Yeah, I watched it's, it. it's fun. It's one of those that like feels like um, when you're a kid, it seems like you're watching a movie for like grownups. Yeah. And yeah. Then when you watch it as a grownup, you're like, ah, it's actually kind of for kids, but in a fun way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like uh, when like Ben Kingsley at the end, he's like explaining, you know, it's we fight wars with information now. Like it's like some kind of revelation, but it's a really well made movie and it's really, really entertaining. Yeah. And and, and really like for so long, like, I mean, now it's doesn't mean anything for a movie to have like an Internet like through line in its plot. But I remember as a kid being kind of like an early adopter of Internet stuff. um, like my dad was always like bringing home like internet in a box or like just whatever, whatever the newest version of um, like, I was on like Usenet a lot, just like reading about Animaniacs and shit on Usenet. Like when I was like nine. Um, so wow. movies that had that in it were like kind of exciting at the time. And there were not that many. So sneakers was like, there were so many things from sneakers that I just thought about for so long as it was almost like my go-to for like, here's what the internet uh, or even just like dudes who work with computers, like you close your eyes and you kind of like see the guys from sneakers like, and, until you like fill in more details from other movies later. But stuff like where they like they like recorded somebody typing and like figured out the password from the sound of the typing. And I don't know, there's just like a lot of weirdly specific stuff in sneakers that stuck with me over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, the I mean, the part with like my voice is my passport verified. Yeah, yeah. With uh, that, uh, what's that character actor's name? Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah, yeah, Tobolowsky's amazing in that. I, when I rewatched it, that was like the main thing I locked into. Is I was just like, God, anything with him in it is just instantly better for him being there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he rules. Um, but yeah, uh, I kind of wish we could talk more about sneakers, <laughs> but we're going to be talking. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Alien Intruder. Um, now. The my, my thing about this movie is kind of interesting to me is that like okay usually with my movies that I pick for this podcast, they're usually something that is very heavily involving like you know aliens or UFOs or otherworldly beings or whatever prominently in the plot. There is a thread of that in here, yeah, but it's and it is like an important thread, but it's just one little thread. Everything else right. is just kind of like a generic. Well, sort of, well, it's generic, but it's also kind of mashing up a lot of things. I mean, it's almost kind of creative, but not quite good enough to really pull it off. Yeah, no, and, exactly. Yeah, that that know. was my main thought was that it, it felt like it was a stab at doing kind of an interesting genre mashup, but like, it's just not quite put together in a way that's all that interesting. But it, yeah. on paper, it's kind of like, it, it's several different movies at once in a way that like could have been kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you if you give this to like a entirely different like cast crew director, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably could have come up with something pretty pretty cool. But like, it's you know you're getting like, you know, I mean, I, at the same time, I really can't fault the movie for being what it is. It just is what it is. It's a product of that era and that sure. time and that that pipeline of uh, directed video movies. Yeah, from you know. Well, you kind of mentioned the the alien threat on that, and I was going to kind of bring that up at the at the end, but I'll just jump right into it, which is uh, what's kind of interesting here, which this kind of yeah negates the whole point of this podcast in a way, is um, there's a way of looking at this that maybe there's not anything alien going on. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to give this movie way too much credit, but you know, that that's what it's all about, you know, talking over talking it. Um, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, you can describe what happens in this movie in like two seconds, which is basically like a, a ship goes out and it's, Oh, and it's, it does the suicide squad thing. That was another thing that was kind of ahead of its time on maybe a little bit. I guess there were a lot of things like that, but. Oh, but yeah, you always have like the putting together. But specifically, yeah, like the getting the guys out that are all on like life or death row um, and doing the whole if you go on this like suicide mission um, and you succeed, then uh, you're you're pardoned, basically. Um, So they all go on the ship with Billy D. Williams out into space, deep space. (laughs) And uh, and then an entity shows up there and kind of starts fucking with them. So one way of looking at it is, well, the the most obvious way, which you could kind of say about most um, like lost, like anything like kind of like um, sunshine or, um, or even something like the black hole, anything that's kind of built around that idea of like the ship goes out to rescue this other lost ship who who has kind of like gone dark, like for whatever reason, that seems to be really common. Yeah, it's exactly. Horizon. Like, like uh, yeah, something yeah. went missing in deep space, and we got to go figure out what's going on. Yeah, you could almost always say that one interpretation is they've gone too far out. They've got the space madness, and the uh, the ship, the rescue ship, also goes out and gets the space madness. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's yeah. there's one way of looking at it that's like maybe the entity is completely imagined um, because of what we don't know about the uh, vastness of space specifically like they they keep hyping up this thing about they're passing through the g sector yeah uh, which there's there's something about like constantly having these dudes that keep talking about like we have to find the g sector that gets <laughs> your mind to questionable places <laughs> yeah 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 so it tells me they've never really been able to find it before you know what i'm saying right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> I mean, I, that's as valid as an interpretation as I guess you could put on this movie, but I don't know if this movie is like really. No, I, kind of I, I can't imagine that it's thinking through any of that, but <laughs> it does present it. It actually presents another theory itself, like within the, um, the dialogue, uh, which is that. So basically the whole thing about the G sector is that it's uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. You know, it right. hasn't been, hasn't been mapped out in space or whatever. Yeah. Specifically, he says all the probes that go in there, yeah yeah so all all the like the experts on the ship are all like yes unpredictable stuff happens we don't really know you know again kind of like a black hole scenario where it's like we don't actually know what happens when you pass over this so one of the characters says that maybe what could have happened is that um there was a virus on their um on deck computer whatever and the virus mutated as a result of the unpredictability of the G sector. Um, so that's almost something that it actually presents itself as they say, maybe it's an alien. Um, and they kind yeah. of, they kind of sort of confirm that it is, but there's also this little nod to maybe this is just like a, a computer glitch, which is an interesting thing to, um, to pose in such a silly movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't really explore it to any depth, of course. <laughs> right. But- uh it definitely i mean yeah that, I mean, that's definitely like a valid kind of like extension of that idea i just don't know if they again i think like the movie's literally called alien intruder and i'm pretty, <laughs> right. sure, I'm pretty sure the people who made it are like not thinking literally two steps beyond what they're putting on the page there yeah exactly there's there's definitely a another way of looking at it that's like 
it's called Alien Intruder. The yeah. in- end of story. Yeah. Of course, you know, Alien Intruder can mean a whole bunch of different things, you know. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily mean extraterrestrial, but I mean, they're in space. It's a space movie made on a for a direct video. I mean, it's you're not talking about uh, you know, Tarkovsky here <laughs> or something. And there's like no, you know, there's not uh, there's not really a ton of room for ambigu- ambiguity there. Uh, yeah. But but hey, if it makes the movie more fun to talk about, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. So the um the the entity uh such as it is is um this kind of just classic like 90s like bombshell lady tracy scoggins yeah um who weirdly i was kind of like i know who she is and it was one of those i couldn't like totally place it like at first i thought she was um i think from the trailer i actually thought that it was um terry hatcher for a second and then (laughs) oddly um tracy scoggins is best known for playing uh cat grant in lois and clark so she's oh, like, uh, okay. So you were like almost, almost right. <laughs> you know, that, that could have been my brain kind of going, Oh yeah, she's from Lois and Clark, but I, I doubt it. I don't, I don't think I really know who she, but she's a very familiar looking. Um, I'm trying to think of what it would like compare to in terms of. Yeah. It's just a very specific, very early, like very late eighties, early nineties, like vision of attractive. Yeah. Brunette. It's like the way like like Heather Locklear kept like showing up kind of cameoing in like all these movies in the 90s as just. Like, yeah, it was like she was just like a shorthand for like um, a babe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, a babe. And they, they, you would just you would use her so that people could kind of be like, oh, oh got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tracy Scoggins is definitely doing that type of thing. And this. that's what she is. Yeah. But the way she actually plays it is, is kind of interesting because it's kind, it's kind of like a Bugs Bunny trickster devil type character. Exactly. Like she's like, <laughs> she's like an imp, right? Like she's, yeah. she does the whole, like, um, I'm over here now. I'm over here. Um, yeah. Like, uh, um, like, like an, another Superman thing, like a uh, Mr. Mix, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Yeah. 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 I wonder if they're ever going to introduce that character into those movies. I mean, like, yeah, I know. I, I think he's been on um, most of like the TV iterations. So yeah. I'm not sure why he hasn't been a main villain yet, but yeah, he's pretty ridiculous. I, mean, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried played him at one point, I think. Oh, my God. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. R.I.P., man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, like, but yeah, like you said, she's very like this impish, um, kind of wisecracking, like, you know, like always mocking the men as they fight over her. I mean, it's pretty silly, but, uh, you know, uh, again, that's what this movie is. I'm fine with it. It's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 they, um, something else that seems like kind of a fun thing that they don't totally lock into is it's almost like a joke that it's all these like professional guys in space who keep being like multiple times ships are going out and they're all just kind of like beating each other up over like a woman, which is almost like a sitcom plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's a car. It's like cartoonish. It's like one of those sitcom episodes where people take a love potion. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, like a love potion would like not have been out of, uh, bounds for this movie to introduce like it's <laughs> right it's, it's that kind of movie 
it's, totally. there's something fascinating about a um a grown woman playing a character that would usually be played by like a tiny little like cartoon creature yeah well the other thing oh yeah here's here's a thought i had but okay so statistically so like they've they've, they've had a lot of dudes come through there like were all of them heterosexual men right <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're gonna have to have some queer or gay dudes out there somewhere yeah. you know you know it's it's suggested you know? that she could take other forms, but weirdly, you never actually see that happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like to see like what she would appear to like, like a uh, like someone who's attracted to like really butch women yeah. or whatever. You know, like I think it'd be really fascinating. But it's early nineties; you're not going to believe <laughs> right. that too much. The, the, the closest, you, I mean, this is again giving it too much credit, but it obviously because it's a movie about a bunch of dudes in. Um, the nineties, it's got a lot of that kind of casual homophobia where mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. the, the more like uh, the guys that are more like manly dudes are, are pretty much constantly making fun of the nerdier dudes on the ship. Yeah. In that, in that way that doesn't age particularly well. There's right. also this thread that's like a little bit homoerotic. I felt like, um, like the way that these dudes are all like in very close, like they're basically experiencing these sexual fantasies with their VR systems, almost laying next to each other practically. And, yeah, and, and there's yeah. just a weird, like they're always like very like in each other's, um, space to an extreme degree. And, um, and even the fact that they're all kind of bonded over this, um, you know, they all kind of have the same desires as the movie goes on. Uh, there's just something interestingly, um, again, nothing that I think they had put in there on purpose, but <laughs> there's there's an interesting way of looking at it that's kind of like, these are just a bunch of dudes that won't just like admit that they have feelings for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if they had like really gone with that, that would have been an amazing movie. That would have been something, amazing yeah. Movie. Yeah, that would have made it kind of an amazing movie. Um, but like... Yeah, it's not really developed. I just thought it was just funny that every single one of them just happens to be just like a traditionally heterosexual. I mean, I realize, again, it is early 90s. That just shows you like there is a lot of potential in this. Yeah, well, it would have made a lot more sense if the entity appeared in a different way, depending on, on each individual person. Yeah, like that would have just been a more logical way to play that out is to even cast different people and have it be kind of mysterious and kind of like a the thing sort of way, like who's yeah. the entity at any given point, um, because it, it clearly has the power to affect its um, outward appearance. So it does sort of seem like why would it just choose to look like the exact same woman for everybody? Like, there's no way she's going to be everyone's ideal woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe she just likes it. You know, that's her preferred form. You know, maybe she's a maybe it's a trans. Yeah, movie. it could be. I think we should actually clarify this movie takes place in the far future year of twenty twenty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's that's it's, that's its claim to fame this year. <laughs> like a good like fourth of a reason. I <laughs> right, right. This. <laughs> that is an interesting uh, uh, year to pick. We open with deep space. There's a spaceship that's just like literally just spinning in a circle. We cut to inside a uh, cargo hold. I mean, a warehouse or no, what uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, these guys are all like fighting over this lady, and one guy gets set on fire. You know, 
pretty snappy way to open a movie. I yeah, guess. no, again, it's like it, it gets so close to actually kind of working. Um, like I kind of like the sort of in media res thing it does, where it's just like you don't really get any time to figure out your bearings. Like it's just you it, you open on people like having a shootout in a spaceship. Yeah, and and then yeah, it's like almost funny because gradually you keep getting clues that it's like wait they're fighting over a woman because it, it looks like it's a scene from. Um, a Star Wars movie where they're fighting over territory or something like that. And then yeah, all of a sudden yeah. a guy's just like, she's mine. And, and you're just like, what is going on? But the fight goes on just like a little too long to be interesting. Yeah. And, and none yeah. of those, none of those lines are played as eh, there's just, there's a lot of like neither here nor there with it where stuff's kind of, I mean, it's, it's campy, but it's not, um, it doesn't yeah. feel all that controlled in terms of like, they're not having a lot of fun with it, um, but it's right. also not good. So it just is kind of in this wasteland <laughs> in between those things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there was like a weird little thing there though. Like uh, one of the guys that's like running around that ship in the opening sequence, he runs into the computer room or something. There's a wisecracking voice coming from the computer. Oh yeah. That? Yeah. Right. That never comes back up. I'm like, is that the computer voice or is that her voice in the computer? Yep, yeah, I totally forgot about that, but that's right. Yeah. I wonder if that was supposed to be like, um, like you said, kind of a Bugs Bunny taunting thing. Like that was her. But yeah, a weird choice to have it be like a um, old school, like, yeah, lost in space robot voice. Yeah, it was like saying like, wow, where'd you learn to shoot like that? That's so ah. weird. Yeah, it was just so bizarre. And then we cut to the year 2022. <laughs> We're in this maximum security futuristic prison, new Alcatraz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, we're we're immediately know it's the future because the the bars are all lasers. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like these, they're just like these lasers, like rotoscoped across the screen. Uh, And there's these, again, more fighting, more dudes fighting in this jail cell. And then Billy D. Williams and some guards show up. They're there specifically for this one guy, this uh, Mancuso, I think that's his name. I don't know. <laughs> I, remember, I just, for some reason, that one stuck out. Mancuso, who's like a navigator or something, you know, top of his class at Annapolis or something. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, played by whoever. I don't remember. He's a very bland character. Not much to him. Uh, then they go on, but they're you know, they're like, Hey, we're going to recruit you for this thing. You want to get out of here? You know? And then they cut to another guy as the nerdy guy. He's like, of course, in his cell on his laptop. I don't remember if he's being harassed by the other guys in the cell or if he's just by himself. I, yeah, I think they, I think there is somebody making fun of him, but in like a, um, uh, I think there's maybe like a nod to the fact that he can just destroy lives, um, mm-hmm. from his laptop. So it's. <laughs> Like they think he's a nerd, but they also give him a little bit of healthy distance. Yeah, yeah, and and of course they're like, you know, oh yeah, he um, who's the computer jock, you know? And it's like, oh, he's a uh, he uh, hacked into like some I don't know directory of something, and yeah. get, was able to get like money transferred to his Swiss bank account or something. And they're like, oh, really impressive, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so, they basically yeah. collect all these guys that are supposed to be experts. They all just seem like um, like random dudes, but yeah. they're all set up in that first sequence where Billy D. Williams is like collecting them. Again, it's it's the Suicide Squad setup. It's like this guy's got all these special talents that we can use, 
and you pretty much never see it. Like the computer guy does a lot of computer shit, but I don't even remember what the other guys are like supposed to be doing. Well, there's a demolitions guy. Right, that's right. That's right. He, he, he shows up. Yeah. He's kind of like this big blustery guy. He reminded me a little bit of, uh, uh, Hank from uh, Breaking Bad. Oh you know? yeah, totally. I had down that he was kind of like a poor man's Bill Paxton. A little bit. It's more the way bit. he acts, more than like his look. He actually does look a lot like um. Oh, what's that guy's name? I love that guy. Dean Norris. Dean Norris. Yes, yes. Uh, With a little bit of record power too, just like this big beefy. Yeah, guy. he's always like kind of like chomping on like a. I think he's actually chomping on a cigarette, like as if it was a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an actual cigar, but it might have been a skinny cigar. Well, I you know what they know. call a little cigar. <laughs> it, it felt a little like Bill Paxton in Aliens, where he's just kind of like throwing his weight around and just like unapologetically like mean and noisy. But I think you're supposed to find it endearing um, yeah. that he's like kind of an asshole, but like you got to love him. Yeah. But again, he was the one that was most likely to like um, throw around epithets and uh be kind of like a nineties movie monster. So he wasn't that likable, although he, he did have, he had his moments. I, I think I wrote down something he said, which was, um, uh, they're talking about doing the job and he's like, yeah, piece of cake, space cake. And then he just, yeah, that's yes. his own joke. <laughs> yeah. I was going to bring that. I was going to bring that exact line up. I think, I think that's going to be the name of the episode. Space cake. What a thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think one of the first things he says when they get him, like, you know, they say, do you like to blow things up or something? He goes, yeah, but I also like to fuck. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's pretty, I mean, the, I, you know, it's crude characterization, but it is characterization. So you do get a little bit of like sense of who this guy right. is. Right. He's set up as, a, as an asshole. Um, yeah, blustery dude, you know. It, it kind of feels like he's always going to just like knock a door down or just kind of be like, which way to the pussy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like we, but when we, but we, we catch it, but like we introduced to him, he's like trying to sneak out of the prison or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess maybe that's part of his skill set. Was don't he going to, was he going to like blow his way out of? I, th- I think so. I think so. Yeah. Cause he does, like they that. do utilize his, um, his dynamiting abilities, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, like he's super distinctive. The hacker dude, super distinctive. The other guys, it was like, I kept getting lost on who was supposed to be who like, they were yeah, especially yeah. like there's two guys that are both kind of fitting, filling the exact same role of kind of just like the generic, like that, like including the guy that you, we end with, and then there's like another guy and they're both supposed to be just kind of like, well, these are just kind of like the normal guys who are like the audience surrogate. And they're just kind of, you know, here to be like a normal looking dude and deal with this. And it's like, yeah, but there's two of them. I don't know which one's which. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Well, I think one of the guys has like a big long ponytail, which is immediately like codes him as sleazy. Right. Right. Um, so he's like, he's like, he's like the first to get really. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. He, he's kind of an odd looking guy. So yeah, I, I recognized him as well, but yeah, he's the guy that kind of first gets really sucked in by the entity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a, like a tiny distinction, but yeah, definitely like the, definitely compared to the other two, he's like, not those two guys are just like very bland. Yeah. Now I think Mancuso, um, if I think the guy, the guy that, yeah, like the closest thing to like a hero through the whole movie, that's, um, that's Maxwell Caulfield. Um, 
who is in a ton of shit. Uh, he's probably most famous for um, he played Rex Manning and Empire Records. And so since people oh, yeah, since people like celebrate okay. Rex Manning Day from like the joke in that movie. Okay, I've not seen that movie since I was a kid. I know people love. Yeah, that it's movie. like a beloved movie, and people celebrate um, Rex Manning Day, which is from like a bit in the movie. So yeah. um, that's a weird kind of claim to fame that he has is that he gets his own little like perennial holiday. Um, <laughs> and I think he's also um, he. Yeah, he's uh, he's in Greece, too. He's like the he's like the new Travolta in Greece, too. Oh, so okay, he's had like okay, a pretty okay. solid career, but he definitely fell into um, movies like this. Yeah, uh, weirdly, <laughs> like like the day after I watched Alien Intruder. By pure coincidence, I watched um, this movie called uh, Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is a really fun movie um, that was kind of ahead of its time in that it has a very like true blood setup where it's like vampires who are kind of trying to be reformed and Mm -hmm. they wear sunscreen and they drink like synthetic blood. Um, Oh, and, and literally it's like David Carradine plays the main vampire who's like more or less Dracula and Bruce Campbell plays a guy who's basically like a descendant of Van Helsing, which that alone, <laughs> doesn't that seem like a movie that would be more famous, but somehow yeah. it's just forgotten because Bruce Campbell's all over it just being ridiculous. But Maxwell Caulfield is the main bad guy. Kind of. It's one of those movies that has multiple bosses, but um, he plays just like a sleazy bad guy in it. And I was like, didn't I just see this dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't know that. I mean, I I didn't really recognize him, but I, I, again, I don't remember much about Penn. Well, again, I, he 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 blended in with another guy for me, so he's definitely one of those actors that's like, um, you know, he's not Steve Buscemi. He doesn't have like, right? He doesn't yeah, have like yeah, a yeah. look where you're just kind of like, oh, look who it is. Like he looks very vanilla, so it's a little bit hard to place him. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's just a lot of actors who just never really were never distinctive enough to really take off, and so they just fell into stuff like this but um yeah and so these guys are all recruited by billy d williams who's called whose name is commander skyler <laughs> so is skyler his last name we have to assume <laughs> I, I i don't know it's like it's i mean it's, this movie is not gonna bother yeah, yeah and so basically he's, you know he just tells them we want you to go find this spaceship that has been lost out in deep space and uh, you know, if you do it, you'll get pardoned. It's just like a simple towing job or something. You know, we're just going to go find this thing and take it back. But also, there's this bonus to sweeten the deal, I guess. Uh, he's like, uh, we have this thing called the Aphrodite program, which is a, <laughs> a which is a virtual reality program uh, where they put you to this like thing called the weekend. I guess they literally is like, I guess it lasts for the weekend. <laughs> What you know, so like after you know, I guess at the end of their work week or whatever, yeah, he's like, he's like, your weekends are totally free, yeah. And just the implication is that is that they can have like as much virtual reality sex as they want all weekend long, yeah, yeah, yeah. It provides you with like a digital companion or something. Of course, they flash all these different, you know, pretty ladies and choose any one of them and they could be yours. Let me basically cut forward to I don't know how much later three months i don't know They're, they've been on the ship for yeah, a while the, time, the timeline is never that clear 
Yeah. But yeah, they're like just doing their business on the ship, uh, talking about what scenario they're going to jump into for the weekend next. Like, what's his name? The, the, the nerdy guy. I mean, I don't remember any of their names, so... <laughs> Except for Nikuso, who's like the most boring character, ironically. <laughs> they say, I think they, they say his name like a million times, so it sticks with you. That's that's why, that's why. I think the nerdy guy's name was DJ, for some yep, reason. Yep, that, that checks yeah. out. But the big bluster dude, he's talking about how he was in a, the weekend reading POWs and then going to like, you know, sleep with his uh, beautiful Fraulein, you know, or right. something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, was he a Nazi in here? <laughs> and uh, the nerd goes like, I was sleeping with a beautiful double agent in cold war berlin and he's like is right, a female right. you know again more more than homophobia but it's all blustery guy right. talk you know that's what it is spaceships got locker rooms yeah exactly it's just locker room talk <laughs> yeah what is what is a spaceship but it's just a, a mobile locker room you know <laughs> uh you know I, I don't really remember the exact sequence of events at this point i mean there's a lot of like yeah, they definitely just like tool around in space for the whole midsection. And they're just they're doing that thing where they just keep looking bit or they keep announcing stuff like kind of like we're headed over, blah, blah, blah. And none of it means anything because nothing hap- nothing can happen until they reach the uh, the other ship. So yeah. they're kind of just like flipping knobs and stuff and uh, or turning knobs and flipping levers, I should say. Yeah, I think at one point the ship gets like overheated or it starts to ex- nearly explode or something. Yeah, just like busy work. Um, and then they all just repeatedly head to their VR chambers, um, which is which are all kind of like mini movies that um, sort of kind of like pick up and then uh, like like they'll they'll leave the scenario and then go back and it'll be later. Kind of like the holodeck. Yeah, exactly. Trek. Right. You know, like Picard going back to his, uh, whatever his detective story. Is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was wondering what like the first iteration of that was where there's a special room in the ship to, um, to go like live out either memories or fantasies, or that seems like people keep coming back to that somehow. And I'm not really, that's pretty specific. I'm not sure where that came from. Oh uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the first one was. It's probably been around for a while though. Because usually in science fiction, you know, there's a trope that's circulating in, in printed science fiction. Then it becomes a trope on televised or movie science fiction. So it's probably been around even before, like, it was a thing in people's... In a weird way, it seemed more inspired by, like, Westworld. Where yes. everybody kind of picks the genre. Um, and the fact that Westworld was also kind of like a thing. And this is obviously, like, Michael Crichton original... Westworld. I don't. I don't actually know what's happening on the TV show, but um, in in the movie with, with with Richard Benjamin, it was like it was the same thing where it was like a very thinly veiled like here's a whole fully realized world, but really you're just here to pick somebody out and have sex with them. Like that was kind of like, yeah, basically like the idea is that these types of things just tend to bring out the most right. version of humanity. Like I mean, that's what the show is about a lot too. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, this does, I mean, this like, if you were to be super generous, you could say this dips into some of the same themes about the way these guys kind of see themselves as heroes of their own story. Um, yeah. It's pretty thin. Like it's, it's mostly just, um, again, it almost seems like it's what the movie is built around in a lot of ways. Like um, that idea yeah. is kind of what drives everything. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like the best and worst thing about the movie in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, uh, totally. Like that setup that you're describing where he sells them on it is just beautifully ridiculous. Just the, the fact that it's like, Hey, we're all going to go 
on this big trip through space and everybody's like no and then he's like well um you can use the virtual reality on system on board to have sex with people um in your imagination and they're all like oh okay then yeah that's literally how that scene plays out like <laughs> exactly like, like exactly. a grown man uh billy d williams like spells that out for them just like um you can put on a helmet and pretend to have sex and all, yeah. all the dudes are like are like um well now you're talking like okay now we'll go on a, on an endless journey through space yeah it, it reminds me a lot uh, of a um uh an old beavis and butthead episode where they go to a military recruiter and because they're too stupid to really talk to and explain how what the military does, he just like plays them a video. He plays a specially made video for idiots where it's just like, you get to go in a tank and run over things and have yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, that's kind of like what it is. It's like, okay, the idea of being pardoned is enough for these guys. We got to break out the whole Aphrodite stick. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, um, the new, like the Beavis and Butthead revival that just went up. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it, the movie, the new movie that Mike Judge actually wrote is amazing. Like, I loved the new movie a lot. Um, oh, really? The show is, like, solid. Like, it's worth watching. But, um, you know, it's not. It's hard to capture the magic. Yeah, so it's not as good 90s. as, like, it's not even as good as the last round of the reboot. But there is an episode where, um, where they put on VR helmets and, um, or no, they, they put on what they think is special glasses uh, but they're not actually activated, so they're just actually walking around the mall, um, <laughs> just like hitting people, and and uh, um, and then they, they try to restart the level by killing themselves. So they're just throwing themselves in front of cars. Um, it's pretty classic. <laughs> oh man, Beavis <laughs> and Butthead, man, so many memories. <laughs> I think that debated the same year this came out, so maybe oh, there you go. <laughs> also like me and my friend you know passed away recently that i talked about earlier like he yeah. um, like this is the type of movie we probably would have watched at some point on yeah, i mean that's that's the best to um uh yeah I, I don't i don't i didn't really have that where you just watch like really stupid stuff like um when the new beavis and butthead movie came out i really wanted to watch it like with just like other people that would appreciate like the dumbness of it um yeah. So we literally had like a couple of people get together and ate like nachos that we made and watched the movie and just oh, like, man. it was, it was great. So That's yeah, that perfect. makes it so much more, um, <laughs> the, the weight of the stupidity is, is so much heavier when you kind of are like doing a communal thing like that. But I, I, w I wouldn't have even known how to like orchestrate that when I was younger. So that's, that's cool that you had that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just, I mean, we, yeah, we, we watched a lot of shit. I mean, he, he introduced me to Eraserhead. He introduced yeah, me to, yeah. like, a lot of things. And uh, also, we watched, he, I think he wrote a spec script, a spec Beavis and Butthead script. Oh, nice. Where they, get, <laughs> where they get abducted by aliens. Yeah, there you go. It all comes back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't the new one have something to do with the aliens or a cult or something? Yeah, the, the, the new movie is, um, they, they go to space and they go through like a black hole, like time vortex. Um, and it gets, it gets kind of crazy. It goes to like interstellar type places. But <laughs> oh, okay. it, it does such a good job of just always looping it back to just like, they're just like two idiots. Like yeah. you never get that far from just the core of all this stuff is happening, but it's always just about like, these two are like so dumb. Yeah. So it's yeah. really fun to like watch it unfold. 
I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to check. That. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I I laughed the whole time, but um, it, it doesn't have much to do with Alien Intruder, except that they have that new episode about VR. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have. I mean, culturally, we have kind of circled back around to VR a little bit. I don't know. I don't. Maybe the maybe the wave is already kind of crested. But I yeah, know, like, well, that, that's another big one where it just again, you and I being kind of the, the same age, like that was like always this thing that always felt like it was five minutes away for like forever. Like it, it never yeah. has not felt like it was like, um, like our whole lives. It's been kind of this idea that was like just about to happen, right? Uh, and it's it's still you know like. I think it's just because it's so gradual that it's kind of like you can do stuff where you're just like, Oh, you can like paint in the air in front of you. But people keep imagining these scenarios that are like the ones in this movie where you just like go live a life among photorealistic people who all have like distinct personalities. And again, you do kind of like the, the Picard thing where you just like can go into that hole and just like live an entire life and then come out of it and like eat breakfast or whatever. Yeah, uh, like if that's just been this like promise that's been dangled for like, you know, as long as I've been alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think well, also the thing as the difference is back then, the technology for graphics and things like that was like primitive, you know, so I mean, we'd basically outside of virtual reality, like graphics technology got pretty advanced. And so even like on things that are available on your phone or your, your video game system or computer or whatever. So like it's gotten to the point where you could just like graph that onto a set of glasses and basically without much. And it's basically, but the thing is that's where really all has become really is just another kind of gaming. I mean, and I know like Facebook and has been trying to push this stupid metaverse thing for a while, you know? So like, but I, you know, like they already tried to do that with like second life a few years. I mean, a couple, like a decade and a half ago, like, you know, it never, you know, it, it, it kind of had some interest, but it never really took off beyond, uh, you know, a little a niche interest area. So I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever. It's hard to see, hard to imagine virtual reality becoming a uh, mass thing, just because. I mean, we're, we're we don't. It's kind of not entirely necessary because what we have is already sucking our attention and right. our interest. You know, we're already absorbed into like social media or watching things or playing things on our phones. You don't really need glasses for it. It, it. it has the same immersive effect essentially without having to put yourself in glasses. I mean, right. You know, uh, maybe if they, maybe if you like more tactile aspects of virtual reality, get more advanced, like, uh, you know, the ability to feel things in there, like feel every bullet hit <laughs> shooter or something like that, or, <laughs> or, or, you know, erotic fantasy type. I mean, I know they have stuff that does that, but, we're not like at a well area where that is like the most basically what we have with it's just more just advanced graphics that just are strapped over your head right yeah just it keeps on going through these hurdles and then people try it and like there's always this idea that kind of like oh it's gonna get so good that everybody's just gonna vanish into it but it never really happens i like i i remember like um this is not the same thing at all but like when they first came out with like was it um was it virtua boy that yeah. was like the super oh, yeah. red, the red one. Yeah, it literally gave. Yeah, people yeah. Headaches. I remember like going to like um like some like Radio Shacky type place, and they had like a sample of it, and I put it on, and it was literally one of those things where like 
slowly putting on the helmet i was like here we go like yeah on it's all gonna be like before i put on this helmet and after i put on this helmet and then you put it on and it's like the dumbest thing you've ever seen yeah it's like okay i'm looking at red game boy graphics that are just like in front of my eyes that's it yeah it was exactly like holding a game boy up to your up to your eyes um just like terrible like all red um graphics that kind of didn't even you couldn't even really process what you were looking at um, yeah. But then even, you know, now they have stuff that's pretty good and you put it on and I think you do kind of have that thought of just kind of like, oh, wow, this is really going to change everything. But then you completely forget about it. You know, like it's it's like it's kind of interesting as like a lark, like you shoot some arrows or something and, yeah. and then you take it off and you're kind of like, oh, wow, that's something. And then you just don't think about it again. At least that's my experience. Is it's kind of it always seems like it's going to be like this life changing thing. And then you actually look at it and it's like, oh, that was a novelty. But yeah. Yeah, I guess that would change if they had it uh, alien intruder style. <laughs> you could just yeah. completely immerse yourself. <laughs> you kind of pointed out something that they do, which is they kind of sort of have different, um, like they're kind of doing, it was almost like watching Stay Tuned, you know, like the. Yes, yes. The, yeah, yeah. Like John, where John, John Ritter and his family like cycle through different uh, TV shows because they like get sucked into their television. So weird. That movie came up either in conversation or something I heard today. <laughs> I feel like it's a good, it's a good go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that movie. I watched that movie religiously. I love that. Yeah. Movie. That that was one that was on TV all the time. And it always just yeah. seemed like a very exciting thing to have on, but yeah, um, it kind of did that where it was like, yeah, there was like a Casablanca um, thing. Yes. And then, and then there was like an old West thing, but yeah, like you were saying, it was like, there were like two, like it was like whoever did it was like not the world's most creative person because it was like <laughs> yeah. like two of them were very similar and it was like, um, you know, we'll have like a I don't even remember all of them, but it was like we'll have like a '40s like wartime romance and then we'll have like I don't know a '30s wartime romance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think I think the nerdy guy had a uh, DJ or whatever. He had a um, it was a '50s biker thing. The, the bikers, know. right? Which was like yeah. half like motorcycle movie and half like cowboy movie. Like it was like both of those. Well, yeah. Well, I think. Well, it's probably just because it was like filmed right up the street from the western set. It looks yeah. like you know. Oh, that, yeah. that western set is um, uh, that's the set from Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. I have. Oh, really? Online. Yeah, like it's like literally, um, like they were about to start. They were working on the first season of Dr. Quinn. And so they just let them come shoot on it. So apparently it's, I mean, it, it, they don't even obscure anything. Like, I think you can see a couple of the store names. Um, oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing. I Which like was that. funny because like there was, I swear something was nagging at me while I was watching it. It was just like something felt so, uh, cause I watched that show a lot with my family when it was on. Um, yeah. It was just like, you know, the show you watch with your parents, I guess, if you were, in a particular lifestyle in the, in the nineties. But yeah, um, it felt very like, like I had lived there or something. <laughs> I was like, Oh, right. It's Dr. Quinn. Oh yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's a, I, mean, I, I have no idea about that. I mean, but then again, you know, a lot of those Western sets, they're usually are there for, to be reused by things. So, right. I mean, but yeah, so, you're, you're right. It was, it was the wet, the old West set. And then the motorcycle stuff felt like it looked the exact, like the, the background looked almost the same. Yeah, it's just like they just added a few like fifties, uh, v- very vaguely fifties esque uh, accoutrements. Right. <laughs> like, uh, 
<laughs> also, it's like, okay, so like that scene, we it was like DJ is coming up, or the nerdy guy, DJ, is coming up there. He's like the leader of the gang or something, you know? He's the, you know, and he's uh, a bunch of motorcycle people, you know, each, it's, 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 of course, dudes on their bikes with their, with their babe at the behind them. And, um, and like, he's this other guy in the, in the motorcycle gang is like, he's like, okay, we, it's your turn to go in and get the beer or something. So he's like, so you go in and get the beer. And this guy goes in and gets just like, what does he do? He like, he like throws something through the window and like breaks the, gets the beer out and passes it to everybody. And weirdly, the, 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 the big guy who gets, throws, who gets the beer, uh, his, his, his babe, his girlfriend or whatever, She's like literally rubbing the 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 cold can all over her tits for a second. Oh, right, right. I was like, okay, is it just like really <laughs> hot or something, or like, what is this, or is this just? I mean, again, it, it is a masturbatory fantasy, so who knows? And of course, uh, what's her name? This uh, entity, Ariel Tracy Scoggins, keeps appearing. Yeah, that's right. I forgot her name, Ariel. Yeah. Which that was reminding me so much of something else that I couldn't quite place. I don't think it's an alien in this other thing. I think it's I think in that one it actually is like a computer bug or something. Um, but it's like everybody's doing these different things and um and and something keeps kind of showing up. Like like it, it's like their storyline is going and then all of a sudden it kind of goes it takes a hard left and it's like, oh, what's going on? Um, and this thing is like invading every, maybe it's dreams. Maybe it's kind of like a Freddy Krueger. That's the kind of what it reminded me of too. Is like yeah, that is kind of the setup, I guess, is like that, like you're having one type of story and, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, now this guy's here again. Like yeah. all, all roads lead back to Ariel. Like they, they can kind of like go, they can try to go a different direction, but it's always going to come back to Ariel. Yeah, she shows up in the Casablanca scenario with the ponytail dude. He he's like you know the Humphrey Bogart character. Was it what was his name? Rick. His name was Rick. Yeah, I thought, I thought yeah. you were I thought you were fishing for his last name, which I don't, I don't yeah. remember. But yeah, yeah, Rick, yeah, Rick from Casablanca. Every, yeah. Everybody yeah. eats at Rick's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so like he's like the Rick character in this scenario, and there's like a singer. You know, she's singing some kind of bluesy tune or whatever. Oh and, yeah, man, I've completely forgot about that. That um. It does like the classic, yeah, like showstopper, um, like somebody just sings a full song. And yeah. um, my favorite thing about that, was, well, for one, it felt like it was supposed to be Ariel, but it was just some random lady that just sings a whole song in the middle of the movie. Um, it is Ariel. Um, oh, it is? It is? It is. Yeah, it's Tracy Scoggins in a wig. I I, I noticed this uh, okay. on, the, on the on the rewatch. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, because he has because because each of these guys has like kind of their own main babe within the simulation that they're kind of hanging with. What what and, I was trying to to remember was um the I don't have the it doesn't list the soundtracks on IMDb, but in the in the actual like credits, the end credits of the movie, it has like a special credit for that song that you can tell it was written specifically for the movie. <laughs> and it was it was literally just called like um um singing the yeah. blues or something like it was <laughs> yeah it was like yeah it was like very generic it was it, I, yeah. I noticed that too it's like i love the blues in the morning and the evening i love the blues dirty i like them clean i like them any old time you know that kind of thing. yeah it felt so much like like somebody like the day before was like um you know what really <laughs> make this is if we had one of those things where like a woman sings a song and everybody's just kind of like watching and nodding like they do in old movies all the time 
Yeah, um, exactly. we threw something together by like 5 p.m. <laughs> and somebody was just like singing the blues. Got yeah, there you go. just like exactly. AI generated um, blues song. Yeah, yeah, it's like somebody. It's like if somebody tried to come up with like a rock and roll song. It's like we loved rock and roll. We <laughs> loved rock and roll. We, you know that kind of. <laughs> You know that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the, the the music on the '50s section isn't really far off from that. You know. <laughs> I, yeah. So, I mean, just stylistically, I mean, I I feel for them, and in a way, it's amazing that they even put that plot element in effect, knowing that they had no budget. Because um, <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that begs to blow up a budget, where it's like it's not just on the ship; it's like. It's on the ship. Like it's almost like a really easy movie to make because it's just like dudes in one one space. But then it's like, well, but also they all have um, these wild fantasies that are all like different film genres. Um, and it's like it's that you know that could have been like a cool way to just inject a lot of style into it. But they all just kind of look like they're all like a WGN show or something like all of, all of yeah. the, all of the flash. It's not the flashbacks, all the, all of the fantasies, um, you know, they don't, they're not wildly different from one another, except that you can tell that there's these plot elements that are trying to suggest uh, the costumes. change, Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, all, that's really like the main difference is like the, the clothes people are wearing in the, uh, yeah. which is, you know, very much easier to achieve than actually building, you know, fancy sets for like the Casablanca thing. Like it's, I mean, I guess also, you know, these guys are in the far future year of 2022. What do they know of how the past actually was? This, <laughs> right. this is a simulacra of the past. You know? Yeah. I thought a lot of it, it made me think about that a lot too. It's just like, whenever somebody does that setup, um, like when people are talking about the good old days and they're in the far future, they're talking about like the same, they're using the same touchstones, obviously that we all have. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have a better choice for them. It's just kind of funny that, um, in the far, far future of 2022, that this movie takes place in where they've had space travel for years and everything. As soon as everybody's kind of imagining what it's like to be a hero, um, uh, they're all going back to stuff that would have been all boomer very boomer fantasy stuff yeah yeah and, and and it would have been completely like a lost time if um you know once technology was moving that fast you know we're not that far from it now because we live in the same towns where there used to be cowboy shit going on right but right. once you move to space your um you know your touchstones for what culture is like are going to be completely different Right, right. I mean, I, I'm always thinking like we can't imagine, I guess, what those touchdowns would be because we haven't experienced right. it yet. <laughs> but they they could have at least done one that was like on another planet or something yeah. that was just like a little bit more out there. Um, I think, I think, I think, honestly, that probably would be just a bit too confusing for people, especially the people making this movie. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a. I'm really, yeah, I'm asking a lot of them to even come up with a way to distinguish these scenes more because they're clearly working with not a whole lot. Right. Um, we haven't even talked about my favorite one, which is like the Baywatch one. Oh yeah. 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 That one is just like basically Man- Mancuso, um, our, our ostensible hero, I guess, uh, is just like, yeah, he's just chilling on a beach beachfront house. Yeah. With, with, with like there's, the- there's not even a plot to that one. It's just, yeah. it's just, he's in like a super nice beach house. He's imagining that he's like such an aloof asshole that yeah. 
like his whole thing is just that like there's like a woman throwing himself at him and he like doesn't care because he's so cool yeah oh my god i mean talk about gay subtext maybe he is just like a very deeply deeply closeted homosexual <laughs> i mean I, I wondered why he was playing it like that because there's you know what i'm talking about like, there's this whole stretch yeah. where she's, like she's kind of like um just uh, talking about him like he's a god and just like yeah she's like talking about making him dinner and making plans with him and he's just like staring off into space and in my mind he's maybe got like mirrored sunglasses on but i might have put that in after the fact i mean yeah he might as well yeah, be. yeah. i mean he's just like he's shirtless and like oiled up and he's yeah. just like too cool for school like just like yeah doesn't really even have dialogue with people like he just kind of um you know like like he's just kind of like um the cool silent guy yeah um except he's not memorable or charismatic enough to have that that silent kind of right thing. which which is why i literally was confused about what, the way they were playing it at first i was just like what's yeah. what's his deal like are they going through a divorce like i, I was i was putting in a lot more complicated subtext than i think they intended well, i think it was just supposed to be that he has a beautiful woman um and he doesn't even care because he's like so like yeah, you know, so he's beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Also, I noticed that that house that they're in is like not furnished. It was just like, yeah, <laughs> it's clearly like. Just, I mean, maybe he's. I mean, maybe in his fantasy life, he's just super ultra minimalist or something. Yeah. But, but like, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, obviously, like you know, it was just like some empty house that they were able to shoot in for like a day or two, and so right. <laughs> like they were, they were like um, open house from one to two. Yeah, exactly. Like, grab your gear <laughs> yeah just let's do that nude scene really quick <laughs> so like there is like there that, that's where like a lot of the nudity is there There's like, that's right you know, there there is a lot in that stretch yeah yeah and, and that again felt like like within this movie that already kind of feels like a softcore um cinemax movie that's like a scene that almost seems like it's half jokingly referencing um <laughs> movies like that like it's i mean it felt to me the most like baywatch but it's also like obviously a little bit more like blatantly sexualized than, than Baywatch. Um, but the general vibe of just like hanging on the beach and looking good. Yeah. Um, felt like it was from that era, but uh, I got, that was one part where I kept feeling like, okay, they actually do know they're being funny, but I'm still not a hundred percent sure. But it was one of those, where it was like that, that particular fantasy is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that it's kind of funny. And it feels a little bit like they're just going for it in a wink, wink kind of way. I, 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 you know, I can't, I can't say either. It's like literally, it could be intended as kind of funny, but I'm pretty, I, I, I'm pretty sure like the way it was thought of is like, oh no, this guy is just there with a beautiful woman and the beach, right. paradise. That's <laughs> that's it. Like that's literally it to them. I feel like you know, um, but we also have this the western scenario too, which is like again we mentioned previously with the sets and everything but like you know we're introduced to what's his name the demolitions guy and he's like you know with this chick in a bathtub you know and it, you know it's, it's like oh don't you have a steak cooking he's like well don't they take a long time to cook you know and <laughs> so they're like you know he's just playing around in the bathtub and then another chick comes in and of course this chick the chick that comes in this interloper you know it's obviously like meant to be like a brothel or something in the old west and she's like, Frank Strange is coming into uh, town. It seemed like that one was maybe like doing some high noon stuff because yeah, yeah. it was like this guy that you put away is like coming in on the 11 o'clock train or whatever. And um, you got to get ready. But 
that was like so little, like it was a lot of like information dump that they did. And then none of it really goes anywhere because they're all just kind of killing time until Ariel shows up. Yeah, basically. I mean, when we return to that scenario, she uh, like uh, she pops up and kills, helps kill strange or uh, the bad, the bad guy in the dream or the fantasy or whatever. It's technically right. a dream. I mean, it is a digitally generated dream, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, she, she, she keeps showing up in their fantasies. And then while this is happening, you know, uh, Billy Dee Williams is the captain of the ship. You know, he's the commander. He's the, he's, he's the one in charge of them. Um, and he's watching their fantasies and he's looking for this aerial chick. Spoiler alert. He was on a previous mission and encountered her and wanted to come back to find her to you know be with her. So. Another one that's like kind of fun. Like it's really playing into the fact that Billy D. Williams seems like somebody who knows what's going on. He's always like kind of like the boss, you know? Um, yeah. And especially in yeah. this, like he's literally like the commanding guy. And so to have this reveal where it's like, he's also, he's actually kind of like the bad guy. And also like all his whole deal, his whole motivation is just that he like loves this alien, um, which which plays into like the first scene where all these dudes are just like blasting each other because they all love the same woman. Um, like all of his like walking around looking like smart and confident is all like a uh, disguise for the fact that he's literally just going into space to find this alien he's in love with. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the, there's like several scenes of him where he can't find her and then he finds her like making out with one of the guys in their, their fantasy. And he's like, no, he's like very yeah. emotional. <laughs> there was definitely one part. Uh, he's actually a great actor in general, but there was one part. I think it might've been that when he's, when he finds her that I a hundred percent couldn't tell if he was laughing or crying. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, he might've been both. He was just like, yeah, where, where is my career gone that I'm doing this shit? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, Colt 45 needs to call me for another commercial. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to talk about him. Well, in, in a, I don't know how much you can say about Star Wars adjacent things that people haven't already talked to death, but oh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of fascinated by um, just him being in this at all. It's, it's clearly like their big get. And, and yeah, get, like yeah. I was saying before, there's like this thing that's like, if we get somebody from one of those movies, then it feels like the producers think they're legitimizing it. Whereas to the audience, it kind of looks pretty bad when it's like, Oh, okay. You got um, like a second tier guy from those movies, but he's an odd one because I feel like everybody likes him. Um, yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody thinks he's talented. He was, yeah. um, he he's was like, such like a, he's like a fucking Calrissian. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like he showed up in that movie so hard and everybody yeah. was just instantly like, he was an instant like cult favorite. Yeah. And such like a kind of breath of fresh air in that movie. Not that it needed it, but yeah, it was it was a way for him to kind of go like, here's here's a different kind of vibe from yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. But just the way that that cast spread out through like the ether is so strange to me, like starting with the fact that um, Mark Hamill and Billy D. Williams had relatively similar um trajectories a little bit yeah yeah definitely a lot of direct video stuff after right which is which is so odd that like the the yeah you know the the main guy and then also kind of what you could say is like a fan favorite or like a um a guy who kind of ran away with a lot of scenes um both kind of got the short end of the stick whereas like other people got to like go straight to the front of the line 
Well, I mean, I, what, what, I mean, I'm trying to think what else Billy D did after like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of scanning and I mean, he, he's always been pretty busy, but I mean, this is only, uh, like he was Harvey Dent in 89. So Batman, go. Oh, yeah. Course. Yeah. Which again is is one that he just got totally screwed on. Like his his whole career would have gone differently, I think, if uh, Tim Burton had kind of like kept following that path. Like in this one, yeah, he's literally just there to look at the screen very like apprehensively, and then either laugh really hard or cry really hard or or bark orders. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much the three modes that he's allowed to. Yeah, be in. I mean, he absolutely does what was clearly desired of him, which is like he brings a tiny bit of weight to it. And yeah. he brings the, um, hey, look, it's that guy from Star Wars to it, which I think is probably all the producers cared about. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Just we, we could put him on the cover and people would kind of be like, ah, this looks close enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what got my attention about yeah. the movie. <laughs> That's all I remembered about it. Oh, it's a sci-fi movie from the early 90s with Billy D. Williams in it. That's all I remember. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember getting the impression he was like more like the lead actor in it. But, you know, they always make it look like that because he's the biggest name. So, I mean. That's the classic, you know, B-movie gamble. Okay, we're just going to, like, have this guy in there for three minutes. But we could put his face on the poster and sell the movie based on him being in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he shows up. He's 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 in it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I enjoy stuff like what he does where there's that kind of turn. Um, yeah. Where he's both a crazy guy and kind of a villain. Um Oh, they're really more crazy. It's really mostly just that he's been like brain fried by this alien. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that makes his earlier scenes kind of more fun because we spend so much time seeing him look really serious. And and I think you you think that what the twist is going to be um, is something a little bit darker. Um, and the fact that it's just something so simple as he's in love with this lady alien yeah um it's kind of beautiful in a dumb way <laughs> yeah it is it is it is kind of pure it's kind of yeah. sweet <laughs> it's kind of sweet in a dimension <laughs> yeah um so like they're yeah so they, they so basically and they pr- eventually approach this g's g's was it g zone g spot whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean it could be whatever i mean i don't remember and, and like basically yeah they they go through it and it's like this big giant ring. It looks like, a, you know, a very Freudian. It's just a big giant hole in space that right. they go through. And then they're finally like, you know, in the G zone. And that's when like all the, the rest of the shit goes down. Basically the, the mayhem, they start fighting over her. And I mean, it basically, you know where it's going because of what happened in the first sequence in the film. Right. You know? Also, I'll, they find the other spaceship too. Um, and they dock up with it, and it's kind of hilarious because, like, it's these two identical spaceships. They they basically say, "Yeah, it's a sister ship, so it's, a, it's identical." So yeah, of course, obviously, yeah, we can even reuse the same set easily. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. I um, don't even really remember. Is it like the kind of thing where they go on and everybody's just skeletons? Uh, no, they're not skeletons, but they're like some dead people hanging out, okay, and got hanging it. around and stuff. It's like, what happened here? It's like, well, they all, you know. I mean, it's pretty evident what happened. (laughs) And and yet they learn nothing from it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is a complete side tangent here. There's an android on on their ship. Right. But they do nothing with this android. That android does absolutely nothing except stand there in a couple of scenes. Like, there's a scene where the, the, the nerdy guy is just making a bad joke at it. And it's like, it's just... It's, of course, a haha stoic. It's a low... Not responding because it's a robot. 
like okay oh, but that's, that's right that's it like it yeah. doesn't do anything like i don't even remember how the robot is dispatched or or is i mean I, the movie just completely forgets about the robot and like why did they why you don't need a robot in this scenario you know it definitely just feels like they were just kind of throwing more keywords in like we've also got an android hey the one of our investors uh, sons <laughs> Wants to be in the movie. Wants to start acting. Okay, uh, we'll write this android role for him. <laughs> this will be his big break. Yeah, that's a ticket. Yeah, um, you know that kind of thing. That's right. I mean, it could probably for be sure. something as dumb as that. Um, <laughs> and but like the funny thing is when these ships dock, like it looks because they have a like very kind of like their their the spaceship's nose is kind of like it looks very like almost like a a dog or a cat or an animal. It's docks from behind, so it looks like it's like a dog sniffing another dog's oh, butt. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just made me laugh. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Usually, those movies are pretty good for like some really bad CG, where you keep you keep seeing you, they keep cutting to like establishing shots of the ships because they're really proud of these um, yeah. animations that they commissioned. But this really doesn't do that that much. There's only a couple times that you kind of see. Um, yeah, you know, ships in space. I mean, they're very basic. I mean, they're not like the worst effects. In the yeah, world. They're exactly. Very- they're, 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 once again, they're kind of like not good enough to be impressive and not bad enough to be funny. So exactly. You're just kind of like, oh, there's some ships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, and she, of course, starts appearing more and more. And ponytail dude is like the nerdy guy has like a CD of the music that, that she's singing. And oh, uh, yeah, right simulation he like starts like where'd you get that how'd you get my fantasy or whatever right. and like like i don't know i just found the cd and then this is where the movie starts to fall apart in my head i mean there's like one scene where they're like talking about what they're gonna do when they get home you know and like the big uh the big blustery demolitions guy is like oh yeah there's this place in houston you know where we have <laughs> like oh great houston <laughs> yeah um and, and like yeah we have like uh you know there's like this uh, there's this bar i could go to the women are the most naked you'll ever yeah. see. I mean, it's like once you get naked, like how much more naked can you get? What are you talking about? We're talking about like taking off the skin. We're talking about like walking skeleton people. I don't know. <laughs> like, but yeah, they're so naked, you know. You know, and it's like, yeah, we'll have some nice cold beers, and it's like, okay, yeah, he's kind of he, he literally kind of does the kind of like when we get back, I'm gonna buy you a beer thing, right? Yeah. yeah, except of course the beer has to have be delivered right, because right. you know, <laughs> this guy's you know, walking. You know. He's been to other bars and, and seen women, and he's like, "That's not naked. This is naked." This is naked. <laughs> he's got an he, he has like a nakedness scale that right. he rates each bar on. Yeah, and like about five to ten. This is like this is a ten. I like this place. I don't know. One to 10. Sorry. Why did I say five to 10? <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. Once, once she kind of like fully reveals, uh, once Ariel kind of reveals that she's pulling the strings and everything, it all just kind of starts very clumsily, just rocketing towards the inevitable of everybody's basically dead, except for, um, one dude to kind of carry on her, um, to, to, to just do the alien rip off, ending where it's like um take, yeah take, yeah taking the alien, the alien back to earth kind of thing yeah yeah but also okay there is a part where they kind of figure out okay they figure out what her deal is like the the nerdy guy is 
poking through the computer records. He's trying to figure out what's going on. So he's like poking through all these uh, different files. He can't get into the navigation thing to get them out of the G's, the G zone or right. whatever. <laughs> and so he goes through all these different simulations and he finds this virus. And now yeah, the thing is, the way he talks about the virus, he doesn't like distinguish between like what a computer virus is and a biological virus, obviously completely different kinds of things. Right, exactly. I think he I think he literally suggests that it has alien DNA. Yeah, at that point, you're just kind of rolling with, that, with whatever <laughs> stupid shit they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. it's not like I expect scientific accuracy from this kind of movie. I mean, but it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. A computer virus is, is just code. <laughs> right, right. And that that's really that's that's the whole part where I was talking about where it's it's kind of a he introduces some um ambiguity as to what exactly they're dealing with because he's like, I don't know, there's something really weird about this virus. And then like the other guy's like, um, are you trying to tell me it's alien? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm just saying we've never seen it on Earth before. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is, um yeah. we we've been watching um a lot of X Files episodes and uh that's that's one of their favorite things to do is like they look at something under a microscope and and Scully will be like, my God, this 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 like sequence of DNA has never been seen on Earth before. And then that's always like a setup to be like, so you're saying it's from outer space? And it's like, no, it's just never been seen on Earth. A weird way of having like a little bit of um, ambiguity to it, which is what. Yeah, they do yeah. Here. Well, of course, on that show, what they would always do periodically was like, oh, this thing you think it's alien. It's actually not. Oh, but it actually is. Right. Oh, but it's actually not. They did that multiple times. Oh yeah, yeah. We're going through they that. Even, going through that now, just the constant roller coaster of. Um, yeah. Do they want I mean, it to be man-made or not? Yeah, yeah, and, and then like in the and then the revival recently, which was terrible. I hated it. I yeah. Abso- I absolutely loathed it, um, except for a couple episodes. Yeah, I had like the the fun ones were fun. Jer- as, the Darren Morgan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Darren Morgan written episodes are great, but like, the, except apart from those. Just absolutely like the worst tendencies of the show at the end of its lifetime. Uh, anything, anything about um, the uh, mythology and the new ones yeah. was unbearable. Yeah, there yeah. There was another. Um, there, this is almost kind of uh, related. There was another one of the new ones that, um, like everybody remembers the one with uh, Reese Darby because that one's just really fun. Yeah, the you lizard know, the, guy. The one Darren Morgan wrote, right? Um, that was fun. Yeah. Which tangent on a tangent, um, Reese Darby's got a podcast about aliens. Have you heard that one? No, I think I think I've heard of it. Yeah, he's think... like a hardcore like cryptid and alien guy. Like he's like hilarious, but he's also um like very serious about that stuff. So it's a fun podcast because it's like he's very easy to like joke about that stuff, but then he's also like he's not making fun of it. He's just having fun while talking about it seriously, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean that's that's how. I yeah, exactly. It. He's he's very um, on board and will pretty much believe anything if it sounds interesting at all to him. <laughs> he's yeah, he's, yeah. An e- he's an easy sell, but oh yeah, that's yeah. a fun one. Oh God, Dan Aykroyd, another person like yeah, that. yeah, like, true believer there. <laughs> yeah. Like I, okay, so think a funny thing about him is that um, when Coneheads came out, I have a stick memory of seeing him on like. Uh, I don't know, Entertainment Tonight or Inside Edition or something, a brief interview snippet where he's like, yes, I believe aliens are coming here. And I believe, yes, I believe they can do us great harm. And, and all dead, like dead serious. Yeah, right, right. No, yeah, I know. I've seen him go on a couple like tangents where um, he's really, really interested in all that stuff. And 
I think that's I think that's pretty much was like why he was so great when he was like at his peak. Yeah, his creativity was so like linked in with like his actual beliefs. Yeah. There's so much talk about like how come they cuz everybody kind of wants to do that again and obviously keeps trying to like recreate that and it feels like everybody's always like why can't they get it right again? And it's like, well, I feel like it's completely obvious. It's like yeah, you had Ackroyd who was a hundred percent believed in everything he was talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he, and like, it was the only movie at the point that Bill Murray was like, I got to lock this shit down. Like that was like the cross point where he was like, um, I'm either going to be hungry or I'm going to be like a star. So it's like the only time that you can see him kind of go, um, crazy. Yeah. And everybody in that is just like, they were at that nexus of, they were like about to blow up and they like couldn't fuck this up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like the other people were able to rein in Dan Aykroyd enough to like keep it like. Coherent. Yeah, exactly. No? You, get, you get like the crazy of Aykroyd with like, um, like Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman both seem like they were like great levelers who Ivan Reitman is a piece of shit, but um, yeah, I think he just got called out for a bunch of shit he did, but he always seemed like oh. a pretty horrible person to me. And that's oh, one yeah. of those weird movies where the directing is the worst part about it. <laughs> like yeah. all he's really doing is like steering the ship. And in a way I feel like that's, I just, I always go through this thought process where I'm like, what if like John Landis had directed Ghostbusters? Cause he's like a real director, you know, like, uh, yeah. but then I'm like, you know what? I don't think it actually would have worked because I think he would have gotten in its way. Um, oh yeah. Like he would have like tried to make it, he would have probably made some real ghosts too, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I know. No, 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 yeah, it's um I kind of am mad at that dude too cuz Oh yeah. I yeah. kind of like landed on him as like he's my favorite like when I was a little bit younger. Um and then you just you start to think about it and he's got some great movies. I mean, he like freaking American Werewolf in London Yeah, and, it's like, the Animal best. House. Like he's he's yeah. so good at what he yeah. does. But yeah, he killed some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his son was like also one of the worst people. Exactly. So. Yeah. I feel like the Max Landis thing kind of really closed it for me, where it was just like, there's too many things where there's evidence that John Landis only cares about John Landis. Like, and it's like, of course, he raised like a kid who just like went through life doing whatever he wanted and not worrying about the consequences. Like, it all just kind of fits too neatly into this yeah. like, portrait of a guy that was like, um, everything's about number one. Um, yeah. But whatever, he makes fucking dope movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the that's the sad thing about movies. It's like so many of them are made like by like absolutely monstrous people. I guess we could tie this back into Alien Intruder because Ariel is canceled, in my opinion. I mean, she is not. <laughs> she is no good. Like we already pretty much said what happens in the end of the movie. Like you know, they fi- they basically figure out what she is more or less. I mean, to <laughs> at least they give you like a little tiny explanation she's some kind of alien entity infecting the virtual reality right programs. that's it there we go that's what she is and she's just freaking havoc they all fight until basically mancuso is the last one left he leaves the ship he goes on an escape pod and of course he's like oh finally i'm free and of course she's in right. the pod with him the <laughs> end question like, mark basically the only like uh of course that's how it ends <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it of was course. Almost from almost from the word go, you know that it's going to end in her popping up in the backseat. It just it, yeah. it feels like exactly what's going to happen, and it does. But I think what you're getting at is yeah, like um, what is 
um like what's 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 she gonna do when she comes back like like what is her motivation i mean other than to just be a, you know a, a troublemaker which you know, i guess is motivation enough but you know yeah no it is it's it's odd yeah because up till when she heads back there's um there's kind of like a um you know don't don't meddle outside of your domain thing going on like it's like people keep you know that's like a very common either with um aliens or like animals you know movies that are basically about going to uncharted territory and um yeah uh surprise uh king kong's there and he's gonna be mad at you um yeah yeah don't don't poke your nose yeah exactly so that that's that it feels like all she's doing is just people come into her space and so she plays with them for fun and then kills them uh, but yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense because she could have hitched a ride back with any of those other ships and she yeah. chose to so kill them all like, off. I guess maybe specifically Mancuso just knew how to neg her enough yeah. to actually get her to come with <laughs> He's like the one who actually got Yeah, maybe her. she really does just like him and they're just going to go like, <laughs> I really want to see like that, like 80s sitcom um, where like a guy like brings back um, a space wife um yeah, it's like I dream yeah, exactly. genie. With she's like always a, like trying to you know kill all of humanity and and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like trying to kill anybody who she's jealous of or anything. Oh, but because that that is a repeating thing. She constantly she kills like all the she is like trying to kill off the guys. First, she kills off the guys as uh, the guys as uh, them guys as uh, girl the guys as girlfriend. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, um, and then like so like yeah, so I think she would be like that kind of like like partner i guess she would just like would not let anybody give him any attention <laughs> right. at all well, which could lead to some comic hijinks yeah. for sure but i'm not sure i i think that would you know honestly that would be funny like coming this coming this fall nbc ariel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know but yeah in, in terms of the actual yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense because it you can get your head around she just keeps killing anybody that shows up and you can get yeah. your head around she plays with her food first kind of thing you know like um yeah, she's gonna exactly. Kill them, so yeah. she's gonna have fun, um, but yeah, the fact that like if you if you switch it to she wants to kill all of humanity, that's a very different motivation. And yeah, I feel like it doesn't really track with the fact that she's been just killing everybody that shows up, and then all of a sudden she's like, "What if I go back with one of them and kill even more people?" I don't know. We, we're definitely giving it more thought than the screenwriter did, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't regret watching it. I enjoyed it for what for it sure. was. Yeah, this kind of this kind of trash is is a good time. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I was I was interested just to like I was curious where this came from, and I didn't get a lot of answers. But one of the producers is this guy uh, Joseph Murphy. I'm not sure how to say his name, and he is a really interesting yeah. like B movie king. He was born in Syria. And then he um, ran like a bunch of pizzerias in Las Vegas and then kind of oh. like gradually built up this uh, production company. PM and if you kind of like, if you kind of like look at anybody in alien intruder, like especially the guys behind the scenes, it almost is like they've got this little like team going and it yeah. all kind of circles okay. around their big hit. Sort of yeah. yeah. <laughs> their big thing was um, LA heat, um, which was only on for, uh, it was on like 96 to 99 and it was just one of those like um, back to X-Files. It was uh Steven Williams um, X from X-Files. Um, 
and uh yeah. wolf larson and it was it was literally like pitch is kind of like a he's white he's black like wisecracking like buddy cop show la heat um that's that seems like where yeah. they all kind of like landed in 90 96 or whatever um after going like a ton yeah. of really shitty well, movies there's like a whole hist uh like uh, i'm looking at like pm entertainment this is the group that they started right um yeah yeah which um if you just if you look at like um like something that'll show you like all the posters for all the movies they worked on it's all kind of that same thing where it's like the suggestion of nudity but in a variety of genres like uh like it'll be like a crime movie with with it's almost like the same picture of like a um like a bikini girl clipped out of like um sports illustrated swimsuit edition yeah that's just been pasted on to a regular movie poster is kind of what all these look like <laughs> like it's just like like a cop in a city but then like in front of them there's like a bikini babe and then like people hanging on the beach i guess hanging on the beach that's already pretty much in the pocket but yeah i, I could just like i guess i imagine one in my in my head just like i could just put yeah. one in my head like, where it's just like okay like it's a orange sky there's like black black kind of almost silhouetted cityscape there's like palm trees at yeah, the bottom. There's a there's a, there's like a guy holding a gun in a tank top <laughs> or a t-shirt or a t-shirt or whatever or maybe like a or like a you know a Hawaiian shirt. He's got sunglasses on. He's got a stoic look on his face. There's like you know some stuff going on at the bottom of the the poster <laughs> frame, and then there's there's a huge chick behind him, like like you said, kind of like scantily clad, but not like completely scantily clad. And yeah, and it's just like with a name like I don't know, uh, Crime Force <laughs> or something. You know, I don't know. I can just imagine that in my head. Yeah. You know, it's like a definitely a type of thing. Like here's some of the titles. Yeah, like Street okay. Street Crimes so, right. is here. That's that's basically Crime Force. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So here, like we got like okay, Ellie Heat, Midnight Warrior, Shotgun, Daily Breed, Angels of the City, L.A. Vice, East L.A. Warriors. <laughs> I mean, they must have like really liked living in LA, and because they could just like <laughs> I could just call a movie LA, and it yeah. would be fine. Uh, Sinner, Sinners, uh, Cold Fire, <laughs> starring and directed by Wings Hauser, hey. uh, Chance, Night of the Wilding, American Born, Living to Die, Repo Jake, <laughs> The Killers, Repo Jake sounds pretty <laughs> the good. The Killer, <clears throat> yeah, cashing cash in on the huge box office hit Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Much one, a much uh, a much inferior soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the killer, the killer's edge, the killing zone, <laughs> the art of dying, <laughs> the five stages of grief. No, not that one. I'm just kidding. Uh, quiet, quiet fire, ring of fire, a time to die, <laughs> starring Tracy Lords, bikini summer. <laughs> the last writers final impact <laughs> as under as parentheses under that film <laughs> like like to, to, to just say this is a, this is a film not a tv show um maximum force street crimes oh that exactly look oh my god like i, I didn't even see I, those i just I saw that back. yeah maximum force and street crimes back to back yeah yeah you, you basically yeah, had it nailed i just can yeah yeah i mean you know cia code name alexa <laughs> Starring Kathleen Kimmott, Lorenzo Lamas, and Lorenzo Lamas is in a bunch of these. 
Yeah, and Tracy Lords as well. Intent to Kill, starring that Tracy Lords. That is a lot of killing in the titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starring Tracy Lords and Yafet Kota. Oh, man, I um, love that guy. Yeah. Uh, the Intent yeah. to Kill cover is just like perfect. Like, just like, it's just Tracy Lords like with a gun, like sitting on the hood of a car. Like it just, and then like perfect. huge letters Intent to Kill. It's just... And then, like you said, like the city, generic cityscape in the background, it looks exactly like, um, like, yeah, like movies you would see on the shelf when you were a kid and it'd be kind of like, I don't think I could quite pull off renting that. Um, but I sure I'm curious as to what's going on in there. And, and then if you were yeah. to find out, you'd be so disappointed. Yeah. Like exactly. Like, especially like when you come back to it years later, it's like, Oh, that's that movie. Like there was definitely an art to those for sure yeah they're doing like most of the work a lot of the time yeah yeah like some of those like packaging was like really loud like they have like uh kind of like uh like uh like sometimes they have interesting gimmicks in the uh in the actual packaging like i remember this there's this one that had this one horror movie i don't remember which one it was but it had like a light up eyes for like this monster oh yeah i do remember stuff like, like that yeah well, yeah, they had yeah, like the yeah, hologram like covers like too, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yes. they would they would add in like yeah. some lights or something just to to bring it alive. Yeah, just yeah, just to catch people's eye. Of course, then you see the movie and it's just like right. holy shit. But like the mon- when the monster's probably in there for like ten minutes and it's like the worst looking monster. You've yeah, ever yeah. Seen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these guys literally made like over a hundred of these that all kind of look the same. Um, some of them are more, some of them are less softcore looking and more like just cashing in on the fads of the time. Like there's some martial arts stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cop movies and inter- yeah. Well, martial arts movies out for blood bikini summer Two, sequel to bikini summer alien, alien intruder ring of fire Two, blood and steel fist of honor magic. Oh King, yeah. Ma- magic kid came up like a few times, like just clicking on people's names and following them through almost all of them like teamed up on, magic kid and magic kid Two. So apparently magic kid did well enough to, uh, to merit yeah. a second round. Um, but it looks yeah. like they to were be... basically trying to do the karate kid, like, but with magic. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, that's an <laughs> elevator pitch. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like, okay. Imagine the karate kid, but he has, special yeah, powers. why not? Why not to be the best, um, sunset strip, private wars, firepower, amore, with a bit exclamation mark, you know, uh, starring Jack Scalia and Kathy Ireland, um, CIA two target Alexa sequel to CIA codename Alexa, <laughs> no escape, no return starring Maxwell Caulfield, um, storybook magic kid Two, direct hit forced to kill starring Michael Ironside, um, cyber tracker starring Don, the dragon Wilson, <laughs> zero tolerance, Ice, Deadly Target, uh, A Dangerous I, Ice play. is another one I just pulled up the poster for, and it's, again, Tracy Lord's holding a gun. Um, <laughs> I mean, they got they got a yeah. lot of mileage out of these things. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Deadly Target, A Dangerous Place, Guardian Angel, T-Force. Uh, a Guardian Angel has Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, uh, Cynthia Rothrock's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, she's in a lot of that shit. Um, R- Ring of Fire 3, Lion Strike. Sequel to Ring of Fire and Ring of Fire 2, Blend Steel. Yeah. Forbidden Games, Steel Frontier, Bigfoot, The Unforgettable Encounter, Hologram Man, The Knickerbocker Gang. And this uh, Knickerbocker Gang, The Talking Grave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Power Within. The Power Within. 
To the Limit, starring Anna Nicole Smith. Um, the Last Man Standing, Rage, Cyber Trucker 2, sequel to Cyber Trucker. I thought you said Cyber um, Trucker 2 at first, and I was like, God, I want to oh, watch that movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Caged Hearts, Cell Block Sisters, Banished Behind Bars, <laughs> Sinful Intrigue, uh, Two Bits and Pepper, starring Joe Piscopo. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Under Lock and Key, The Sweeper, starring Jeff Fahey, Skyscraper, also starring Anna Nicole Smith, Tiger Heart, The Silencers, Sword Skyscraper, by the way, um, Anna Nicole Smith holding a gun in front of a skyscraper. Again, again, <laughs> exactly. I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't even have to look at any of these to know exactly what kind of movies these are. Um, uh Pure uh, Sword of Honor, Pure Danger, starring and directed by C. Thomas Howell, <laughs> Dark Breed, My Uncle the Alien. <laughs> Wait, is that is that uh, really in there? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were slipping in a fake one. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, a p- potential future episode. We'll see. Um, Riot, Natural Enemy, Stormy Nights, Earth Minus Zero, The Big Fall, Busted, Little Bigfoot, starring PJ Souls. What executive target? <laughs> yes, little bigfoot starring PJ Souls. Yeah, I mean, presumably not as the yeah. little bigfoot. Either way, I need that in my life. Yeah, <laughs> um, executive target starring Michael Madsen, Roy Scheider, Keith David, and Angie Everhart. Well, that's actually kind of a stat cast for yeah. that one. Um, re- I mean, relatively speaking, here, um, Hollywood Safari. Um, <laughs> Catherine's Grove. We're getting to the late nineties now. They're getting less less of the less of the less of the skyscraper stuff, a bit more like a bit more harder to, to part. Yeah, I imagine there. this is where they're just kind of grasping at straws. Well, it feels like their era is over and they're just yeah. kind of trying stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Like Catherine's Grove, Dinner at Fred's, Safe House, The Underground, Bikini Summer Three, so they're still sticking to some of the old classics. Oh yeah, it's called Bikini Summer, Bikini Summer Three, South Beach Heat, <laughs> Heaven Before I Die, Dumb Luck in Vegas, Recoil, The Sender, The Lake, Little Bigfoot Two, The Journey Home. <laughs> I was wondering how it that little bastard under- got home. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, it says here sequel to Little Bigfoot. <laughs> big, you know, big surprise there. Uh, Buck and the Magic Bracelet. <laughs> Um, no, that's not real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is 100% real. It's, I mean, I, I mean, it could be a fake for all I know, but like, as far as like that, it's actually, it, it is listed here. <laughs> Wilbur Falls, Wilbur Falls, Land of the Free, that's a little generic, Extramarital, starring Tracy Lords and Jeff Fahey, two for one special. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith, Exposed, documentary starring Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> Uh, welcome to welcome to Hollywood, a mockumentary directed by Adam Rifkin. Oh, Re- Renegade, Re- yeah, they're definitely branching out a little bit in the late nineties here. Re- Renegade Force, you know, there's okay, there's still a little bit holding on to the old standbys here. Malika, The Gardener, starring Malcolm McDowell, Sand Trap, uh, When Justice Fails, again, starring Jeff Fahey, Can't Stop Dancing, <laughs> starring. Starring Janine Garofalo. <laughs> hey, I've never wow. heard of this. I mean, this, uh, this you is know like, what? what um, I'm looking at these now, and I think they pivoted to um, 
they pivoted to uh, like Zucker Brothers style movies. So some ah, of these are okay, looking like okay. very goofy, um, like Can't Stop Dancing. Um, looks like it's kind of like, what if a bunch of fat people um, started a dance troupe? Uh, shenanigans oh, ensue. Yeah. And it actually looks like there's a few of those happening. Like, um, I think you're almost oh, yeah, up to that, like the that, fourth that, tenor, which was like one of the like shitty Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, there's a few shitty Rodney Dangerfield movies in here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Running Red, Clubland, Undercover Angel, Inferno Avalanche, Chaos Factor, Hot Boys. <laughs> Um, high, high noon, yeah. Jailbait, high noon. This is a remake. I guess it is a remake. It was a te- made for television remake starring Tom Skerritt of High Noon. <laughs> uh, Little Heroes two sequel to Little Heroes. Backyard Dogs. Camouflage. Backyard Elite. Dogs. Fire. I, yeah, I hope yeah, that's exactly dogs. what it sounds like, and it's just um, yeah, basically backyard snow dogs, dogs but yeah. in a backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I have a story about the original Snow Dogs. <laughs> um, so like, I worked at a movie theater right out of high school, and um, the worst theater I ever had to clean up was Snow Dogs because it was literally like a snow day, so it was like stranded moms and right. their kids, you know. So the kid, you know, but there were like diapers. Oh god! Were, like, it was the absolute worst. Like, tornado. <laughs> yeah. So like. In this last stretch of movies, yeah, like I said, there's Camouflage starring Leslie Nielsen, yeah. <laughs> uh, Zucker Brothers style parody. Which I mean, stuff. you can just sense that they were just like, I don't know, where where might there be some eff- like the the money and and like ladies with guns in front of buildings um, has run dry. So like, where's the money? Where's the money going? Uh, Leslie yeah. Nielsen movies. There it is. Yeah, there you go. And there's The Elite starring Jurgen Prochnow, Fire Trap, Layover, and the last two movies listed on here are. Con Express. I mean, this is a few years after Con Air, maybe. I don't know. Uh, and, and Tunnel, <laughs> just just Tunnel, starring starring Daniel it's a sequel Baldwin. Sequel to Bridge. So. And they had a bunch of TV shows. They had a couple of TV shows. Like I said, LA Heat, and uh, I'm assuming it was based on the movie that they did. Uh, it's it must be, but they literally made so many. Like you said, there's so many like variations on like um like LA crime. Uh, yeah. LA Vice. It's kind of hard to tell like where the um where the thread is exactly. Yeah, maybe they just reused the title and forgot that they made a movie. Look <laughs> on LA. Uh, it's funny. I'm I'm looking at like the credits for like just this one guy, and they matched up like mostly with everything that you just said, and then like a couple offshoots that I guess he did like outside of like the partnership. And yeah, yeah like at the very end, um in like the early two thousands he made, um, well, he produced whole 10 yards. That was a real movie. And then, um, he kind of got into the Rodney Dangerfield business. Okay. It looks like like he did the fourth, the fourth tenor <laughs> and he did, um, this movie back by midnight, which I only know about that one because, um, Gilbert Godfrey talks about it a lot on his podcast. Um, and it was apparently a total disaster. And then the very next one was another one that Gilbert Godfrey was, that talks up a lot, which was Funky Monkey, <laughs> which is like a Matthew Modine um, at like a career low with a monkey. Yeah. The, the big thing from that movie was that they started with um, they tried to pull off having a little person in a monkey suit oh, God. to like save money and hassle. Um, or I may I can't remember which way it went. Yeah. I think it was they started with a with a little person in a monkey suit. 
and they just decided it didn't look good enough. And so they invested in using a real monkey and it just sounds like a, a very troubled uh, production. <laughs> it may have been the other direction. It may have been, they started with a monkey and it was too um, unwieldy. Uh, lots of shady stuff that there are stories of from like the, the background of funky monkey. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh God. Oh God. I got to look into that. I got to, I mean, I never really listened to Gilbert's podcast. I need to go back into that now. Unfortunately, now that he's right. Yeah. I've been, I've been kind of catching up now that, now that there's a defining ending to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really solid. I mean, these are all movies that like feel like the kind of things you've sort of seen like in the wild, but I don't know that I've actually like seen any of these individual uh movies except maybe like a couple of the later ones where they were branching out but yeah yeah so many of those i'm just like man i need to have enough time in my life to um to go see (laughs) what like buck and the magic bracelet is yes (laughs) yeah i mean i mean i mean you know we could always start a side podcast (laughs) whatever the pm entertainment entertainment full full filmography but i mean i just i that's one of those where i just like i want to sit them down and ask questions because i kind of get it i think a lot of it is um a lot of times those movies are um i mean they're going direct to video so there's very little distribution cost and they're just kind of counting on people picking them up at the store because they look like this will do for a Friday night. And I think yeah, that a exactly. lot of them did like good overseas money. Um, yeah. Like they kind of shipped them over as kind of like, here's like a traditional American movie. And it was good enough as like an example of somebody just running around with a gun. Um, yeah. That like in other markets, they were kind of like, yeah, that looks like a real Hollywood movie. yeah like i don't know quite how to explain like the sheer number of sequels that were in that thing because um they had i think you listed about five like franchises like movies that had three or three or four movies that nobody's ever heard of and And one of them was a bigfoot franchise i love that i know (laughs) little bigfoot that's just that's so interesting and it's so kind of mysterious as to like um how how did like Ring of Fire three happen and make money? Like like how did how did Ring of Fire two? Hold on, I, I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong. Ring of Fire two, Blood and Steel. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to misname it. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, but you know, pay homage. You know, you got you know, be respectful. <laughs> oh, I don't think that one got a three, so I picked the I picked the wrong horse there. But you know what I mean, like. Uh, yeah. How yeah. did how did uh just how how did that all happen? Um, how did they sustain themselves all the way from, you know, the um, early '80s to the late '90s before that felt like they started to kind of have to fish for other things to do? It's it's yeah, really yeah. interesting. It is interesting because, like, you know, I mean, I guess you know, like you said, they probably do well enough on each of these movies to justify doing another one, and because you know, hey, we got the same people. Who want it, who can do it? We got the same crew. We can just set up another one. I mean, it's you know, it's just basic. Like we have a brand. We have some things we can do here that are mar- marketable, you know, and make us just enough money to justify doing it. I mean, you know, it's probably not much more complicated than that, right? But but it is kind of fascinating that they do get to the there's that many of these movies in these in these sequels and stuff. Like, yeah, I think they have to just become experts at just like cranking them out. And 
you can kind of see some of like if you go back to Alien Intruder and just start there as like yeah. a starting point. Um, like the director of that um, is like a huge cinematographer, like uh, and 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 a lot of um, mostly a DP, but he also did. Um, he's also got a few other like camera credits here on like a lot of like legit movies. Um, really, and, Ricardo Jacques Gale, the director mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and and this is like the only like he directed this and one other movie that looks like the same, basically. Like a, it's more of like a martial arts looking. Or like a maybe even a little bit of like a sword and sorcerer thing going on. Um, Eyes of the oh, Serpent, okay. like the very next year after um, Alien oh, Intruder. So that to me sounds like um, kind of a mixture of like they threw this guy a bone who had probably like shot some movies for them, and they saved right. money on him. And um, I mean, a lot of cinematographers have have become like amazing directors, like. Right. So I'm not I'm not about to disparage uh, that career path, but sometimes it's basically like a cheat. It's it's like, a, yeah, like, like <laughs> grab a guy that already knows how to do all the technical um, stuff and just let him run yeah. the show. And on a movie, we kind of don't need to do a whole lot of take threes, for example, like Alien Intruder. Yeah, it's like, yeah, let's yeah. just get the meat and potatoes on the table and uh, and, and let's get going. Um, you know, let's get out of here by five o'clock and, <laughs> uh, or, yeah. or more likely let's stay here all night so that we can, um, get done two weeks early. Um, seems like maybe there's some of that going on. And then like the writer, um, just has a few credits too. And they're all from that list. Like he, he only did like four or five things, including several episodes of LA heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The LA heat was like where they all, like all their buddies just like, um, converged on that show and that was where they finally tricked a network into like giving them like a steady paycheck and, yeah. and they were just all employed by la heat in the end but maybe that was maybe that was like the the main cash cow for all of that and was basically able to fund all this other stuff right, yeah. at least for the at least for the latter half of the 90s or what, however long it lasted yeah but yeah, I, I think yeah, if you if you kind of like just piece through the the crew and, and the cast too of this movie, a um, lot of repeats um, from that huge list that you read. So they were all kind of um, had a system go. I mean, it's it's basically like a like a low budget version of the studio system that used to be in place, where it's just kind of like what yeah. we do is we make movies. Like <laughs> it's not a, I mean, it's I'll- not exactly passion projects or like you know, they're, they're not like waiting for like Quentin Tarantino to have like his next like big idea for something. It's just like, no, we need a movie like now, like get it done, which is, you know, the Roger Corman stuff is like the most known like um, comparison for that, but it's so different. I mean, yeah, Roger Corman made really cheap movies, but it seemed to have, Um, like it was like every third one needs to have some real quality to it. And they at least need to be, they need to look like something that we can sell Whereas these movies look like barely passable as entertainment. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about Roger Corman though, is like he, he was able to pick out talent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think he was all about like finding young dudes that were like clearly on their way and was kind of like, um, do this for me for real cheap and real fast and then we'll kind of see what happens. So you get like some really good stuff out of that. 
uh, yeah. which is hugely different from what it looks like these guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's a lot of like familiarity just with like, you know, it's doing a little bit of that thing where like Jurassic Park's out, so let's make a dinosaur movie. But yeah, a little less like um, I just, the passion doesn't really seem like it's quite there for these. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like, like anybody I, really cared. <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah. believe that they wanted to make LA Crackdown too. I think that they, <laughs> they had to make LA Crackdown too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, that that's like the that's the sad truth about it. But you know, I I did enjoy this for what it was. You know, for sure. It's a, a piece of mercenary entertainment, but um, the uh, the music was kind of. A, I, I guess we could talk about the music real quick before we go. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, so like the music's just like pretty generic. You know, obviously made mostly on synthesizers and stuff like that. I believe the music was by someone named Miriam Cutler. Yeah, who, and I think she's legit, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, she probably went on to do actual stuff, but yeah. I mean, this is I can't. Re- yeah, she was in I, what? She was in Oingo Boingo. Really? That's that's wild. She said, "Yeah, it says here she was a composer, scoring and performing music for She began her musical career as songwriter and cabinet. Sorry, clarinet player. What is cabinet for some reason? Like in like <laughs> uh, like in like the Mystic Knights. Yeah, she was in the, she was in the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Oh, that's so crazy. So she was kind of yeah. like doing like a side road for Danny Elfman. Yeah, um, yeah. She's 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 done some scores that." Um, you know, I, I don't know her well, but um, looking through her, she's clearly like a real, like yeah. legitimate uh, presence. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that this was one of those things where they were like, they need it fast and cheap. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, don't, I don't want to hold it against her, but it definitely, uh, it's one of those where it's just like, they would have been better off just with silence. Yeah. Cause it just <laughs> makes mean, it seem really cheap and, and clunky. Yeah. Yeah, it looks. It looks like she did a lot of movies like these to uh, get to pay the bills. I guess you know. Get, yeah, you know. that is so um, interesting that she started out with uh, with the Boingos though, because um, I love that whole history of that crew, and I don't know a lot about the ones that kind of didn't make it to like the rock band version. Because yeah, the Mystic Knights was like a huge. Um, uh, you know, they they were like a weird little like traveling band of musicians, yeah. That were all doing like really interesting, crazy stuff. And um, the way that at least I understand it is, Danny Elfman was kind of just like a random one. Like he wasn't like the leader necessarily at the very beginning of them. He was just like one of the guys, and kind of just yeah. honed it into more of a ska band. Um, is how he saw yeah. it, I think. Oh, okay. So that's yeah, pretty I wild, mean, but yeah, it does look yeah. like she did. She did Eyes of the Serpent, which was the the director's next movie, and um, gotcha movies with names like Bikini Med School. So <laughs> yeah, she was she was paying the bills for for a while. Yeah, but, I mean, um, I, I I do want to see Bikini. I do want to see Bikini Med School though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see like the um the explanation for uh, like, like just like the, the complicated lead up to just kind of be like, all right. So there was a mix up and all of the scrubs, um, got, uh, <laughs> the only thing we have is, uh, there was a, there was a shipment that accidentally came to us. <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, students. No. You're, you're, yeah, yeah we, there was a ship up. Oh no! So we're gonna have to wear bikini meds, bikinis all the semester. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, you will have to wear bikinis. All... Okay. Well. You know, <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> I know. I know. We keep like locking in on these random dumbass movies, but Bikini Med School, which has a um a 1.9. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I have to see it now. I have to see it. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the the cover which looks like it must be like the vhs cover scanned in is just amazing it's <laughs> yeah oh my god okay okay i gotta look this i gotta it's just look this the worst up. it looks it looks like even more like um like a fake <laughs> movie. like it looks like one of those that you would you know like um like something that like jack black's character in tropic thunder uh, yes exactly. or something, but like beyond like your your most offensive idea of what like a dumb movie called bikini med school would be i, I was like looking through google search and it pulled up Okay, bikini med, bikini med school parents guide. You had you had to scroll past all the listings for the real bikini med schools to get to the oh, movie. Yes. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not trying to enroll. <laughs> What's the movie tonight? <laughs> uh, you know what? I think that's a good place to end this. Um, John, thank you for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you back. I'm not joking. The last episode you were on is the literally the most listened to episode. <laughs> with, with, that was Christmas Martian was the last one, right? Yes, yes. The, uh, the, yeah. the adventures of uh, Pooh Flower. And, uh, <laughs> that, that is odd. That must be from some other fluke. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I was like, did, did like all your followers and people <laughs> like go to mine? I was like, I, I, I'm still confused like why I had so many. I mean... It's like over 200 downloads. Huh, yeah, no, I, I have no explanation for you, but I imagine it must be some very specific reason. Like, um, it was linked somewhere. Yeah. 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 Or, um, there might be like a little community of Canadians that, um, still like hold up that movie as like their movie or something. I don't know. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I wasn't very kind to that movie. So I imagine <laughs> they, they hate my, if they, if there is that community out there, uh, I guess I'm a, sorry. <laughs> Just so you don't kill me in my sleep. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, uh, uh, anyway, thank you once again, John. I'll yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me and, um, introducing me to the, um, complex, world of alien intruder and um pm PM entertainment Entertainment. yeah yes all right take it easy man later if you have any constructive comments movie suggestions or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters drop us a line at saucer cinema pod at gmail.com